Welcome, everybody, to episode 130 of the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. It's Wednesday. That means this episode is just a bit extra special. It's August 18th, 2021. Everybody, hop into the DeLorean. We're taking this shit back to August 19th, okay. 2020. I like Nearly it. a year from the day to one of our favorite episodes we've done over the course of this year. Looking back or looking ahead. A little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both. We're going to look back a year at what at what we predicted. To be now. And then we're <laughs> yeah. going to jump ahead a year. It, it's all over. So let's just get – okay, so the – the point is that we are looking. <laughs> we are looking a year from now, yes, and in predicting who the champion of each UFC weight class will be. We did this a year ago, so we're gonna basically see how many we got right. Um, I can tell you it ain't many. So don't mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, don't judge. But um, yeah, Dominic. We, we kind of predicted – I remember when we did this episode a year ago, we said it would be pretty fun if a year from now we look back and whatnot. And now we're here. Yeah. So how does it feel? Do you feel accomplished at all? Do you feel a little twinkle somewhere, you know, in your body? I do. This is the first time we've done this with, like, one of our old episodes. I mean, this was literally episode number five of the mm-hmm. podcast when we first started. So it's an OG episode. And so we're taking a look back, going through our picks – and it's, it was cool because when I went back to listen, because I haven't listened to this episode in a long time, we got a lot of stuff in the category yeah. if you're new to the podcast. Right. Um, and so to hear our thought processes, what the UFC looked like a year ago is mm-hmm. so different than what it is now. So um, I had a lot of fun putting my new list together. I'm going to have a good time laughing at some of our predictions. And yeah. uh, I'm very excited for this one, man. Yeah, off the top, I think my biggest surprise – that I had from when I went back and listened to um, episode five and like kind of what our thought process was and where the UFC was, was not only has so much changed and like, and not, and I mean, some people that are probably hardcore fans, maybe that's an obvious thing, mm-hmm. but when you start doing a podcast, you just don't really realize it until yeah you obviously do this for as long as we've had now. But what's also clear is not just how much changes in a year, like how much the UFC just keeps changing, but also like there were fights that we were talking about happening a year ago that still haven't taken place. So sometimes it's like how much things can almost be put at a standstill due to injuries, um, contract negotiations. We'll get into all of it. So it's going to be really fun here. I'm so excited. So let's just go ahead and get in. The way we're kind of we're gonna kind of do this, we'll get into a flow of it as we go. But um, I'm I got the old list and uh, my new list in front of me. I know Dominic's got both in front of him as well. I'll just present who was the champion a year ago today, who we thought would be a champion today, who is the champion today, and then we'll discuss and then we'll talk about who we think the champion a year ago from now will be discuss whatever you guys get it you'll understand as we go (laughs) we're in our lightest weight class the women's 115 pound division 
the women's strawweight division. Now, wait. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, if you don't know, you need to go back. To that yeah, episode. if you don't know, you, that, you need to go back and listen. That's an instant classic. Yeah. So the women's strawweight division. Yes. A year ago today, the champion was Zhang Weili, who really looked like she was about to reach some sort of stardom yes. after her war with Joanna M. Jacek that previous March. However, Dominic, you did not predict Zhang Weili to be the champion at today. You said it would be the female Habib, Tatiana Suarez, while I predicted her to retain. So I thought Zhang Weili would retain yep. her title. You picked Tatiana Suarez. Guess what, people? We were both wrong because <laughs> Thug Rose Namajunas head kicked that girl in about a minute at UFC 261. Now, thoughts here because what's really funny to me is like not funny because it's unfortunate. Tatiana Suarez hasn't even fought yeah, since this since like, and now she looks like she's going up a division. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it wasn't a bad pick because we know her potential. Yeah, but it, yeah, I really had high hopes for Zhang Weili at this time. I remember, and you guys are going to see that when we get into <laughs> yeah. the next division here. But I'm trying not to spoil it. But I really thought she was going to – I mean, she still can be. She's still, she's, yes. she's a stud. It's just I, did, I really am shocked at how, I guess, good Rose looked in their title fight, yeah. even though everybody thought that fight could go either way. But for me, I really thought Zhang Weili had a, a deep, long run in her. But I guess you never know. Do you, what, what thoughts do you have here that you – you know, on your pick and whatnot. So for Tatiana, man, I mean, it was crazy. I guess at the time, maybe there were rumblings. If not, maybe I was just being all excited. Dom just started the podcast and wanted to be different. But I truly do believe in Tatiana Suarez. I still do to this day. But just the fact that she still hasn't fought in that whole year, it's now going on two years. We, of course, know she was scheduled to fight at 125, as no mentioned with Roxanne Mataferi. Then she goes down with a knee injury, just had surgery, so she's out again. And it just sucks so bad to see an undefeated fighter that is so dominant, that has all the potential in the world to be a champion, and her prime years are truly not being wasted. That's like kind of a hard way to put it, but in a sense they kind of are just because of her layoffs with injuries. So um, I can only hope that she does get better and I think – or recover, I should say. And I still think we could see her challenging for a title – one day, but heck, it might not be the strawweight belt anymore. It might be 125, um, mm. but it is funny to kind of see where my headspace was at. And of course, with us both being wrong and Rose Nami Yunus, not necessarily shocking the world, but coming out and putting a stamp on her performance to win the belt against Zhang Wei Li, that was what was so impressive. Just the fashion in which she won that title back. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, with that being said, Rose Namajunas is the current women's strawweight champion today. Dominic, will she remain at the top a year from now? And I just I do want to throw out there just so people are aware. Um, I mentioned about doing dark horse picks on Monday. Yeah, we're only doing that for divisions that we think the champion will remain the same. So champ divisions where we think there'll be a new champion, no real need to do that. And Dark Horse pick is more so just someone that we think could end up in the, as champion. It doesn't have to be super deep. 
But, um, yeah, with that being said, Dominic, because you kind of froze up there for a second. We, on me. Yes, we froze up. So um, I'll go ahead and say, do you think Rose will be champion a year from now? So this, truthfully, was as I was sitting down uh, making all my picks last night, this was the hardest one for me. And it might be the most controversial one, but I'm not going in still. As much as I love Thug Rose and all that she stands for and what she did, Noah, I went with the current fourth-ranked strawweight as of August 18th, 2021, Mackenzie Dern, to be the strawweight champion this time next year. I truthfully feel that she is coming into her all right now, entering her prime years. And what's so impressive with Mackenzie is that she's known as the Brazilian jiu-jitsu female just masterpiece, right? She, It's not even close when she grapples with people on the ground. But we're seeing her evolution in her game in all other aspects as well. Now, they're not up to par with her jiu-jitsu, but the fact that she's improving so substantially by each fight while still having the jiu-jitsu that's levels above every anyone else in this weight class – I really just feel like this momentum she's on and she's about to have her first main event later on in this year. I think she's going to come into her all and I think she's going to claim that title and be the champ this time next year. It's a good pick. It really is because it's kind of shocking almost when you hear it because who would have thought, you know, when I was first really getting into the UFC, you know, Mackenzie Dernard almost became kind of a joke. When she was overweight by about eight pounds, mm-hmm. um, she didn't look like she liked to get hit, didn't really take it serious, whatever. But something changed in her after having a baby or something where now she's leaner, mm-hmm. she's meaner, she's getting better in all these different aspects. Now, I don't think she's ever going to quite be able to strike with some of the top strikers right. in the division, but she showed that she can hold her own against someone who – has similar level of skill to her, you know, and I, and I do think that's something to be commended for because she does have an elite skill in her jujitsu. Now for me, I did say Rose Namajunas will still be champion this time next year. Okay. And part of this is because I don't know if we'll see her defend more than once in the, in the next coming year. Yeah. Um, Obviously the fight with Carla Esparza is the one that I think we're going to get next hope so hopefully we get it either by late this year or early next year early next year's looking more likely mm-hmm. so it is a big assumption to say rose will win that fight because carla beat her the first time and yep. has looked really good had a dominant performance over yan jaman but i do think rose has improved more since their first fight and now kind of just walks around with a bit of champion pedigree, a bit more swagger than she did back when she was almost more unsure of herself, unsure of her skill set. So I do think she gets the win over um, Carla Esparza. And I just don't know if she'll defend it again before this time next year. But if I have to throw out a dark horse pick, um, Mackenzie Dern's a good one and honestly probably would have been who I picked if I had actually thought of her. Mm-hmm. I'm just being honest. But I ended up with Marina Rodriguez. Yeah, I like that. Now, the reason for this, she does she is scheduled to fight Mackenzie Dern. Yeah, right? that's the fight. Yeah. And I think that's a really tough matchup for Marina, truthfully. Um, because we've seen how much she struggled with yeah, on the ground. grapplers. 
anybody who can get her to the ground, Carla Esparza being one of them. Yep. She just doesn't do very well, doesn't have great takedown defense. But in, in my head, I was thinking that she almost has a route to where she doesn't even need to face anybody like that. Like, she, I doubt they would put her up against Carla again. Right. Like really, if she gets past McKenzie, she might get the next title shot. She might be. Yeah, I agree. So it's a big if, you know, getting past McKenzie. I don't know. As good as McKenzie's jiu-jitsu is, I don't know how much she's shooting for takedowns necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't know if she's more – like off the top of my head, I'm having a hard time really remembering if she – is she someone that shoots for takedowns or does she more pull guard? You know, is it – like where is she more comfortable in her jiu-jitsu? And for Marina's sake, hopefully she's someone that likes to pull guard because if she right. goes – if she shoots a lot, that could be a tough night. But Marina Rodriguez is striking, is very good. High level. And high level, and she is – really having the best run of her career right now. Mm-hmm. Capped off with her last win in the main event over to Karate Hottie. And, yeah, I just – I do think that she does have a chance to be champion. Not a not a great chance, but more than I would give – I give her a higher chance than I give Wei Li to get a title in the next year, mm-hmm. and Ilana to get the title in the next year. Basically – Everybody except Mackenzie Dern, probably. Whoever wins that fight, I think, has the second best odds, even over uh, potentially um, Carla Esparza, right. the champion. I like it. Mm-hmm. So let's move to the women's flyweight division, a division that still trying to find its footing here, yeah. but it does have a very dominant champion. Valentina Shevchenko was champion a year ago. And guess what, Dom? We got that one. Or, well, I did. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So, uh, obvious pick would be to pick her to be the champion still. Dominic did that in, in flying colors. I did not pick Valentina Shevchenko to be the champion. I love where year. your head was at, though, Noah. Yeah, I, I, I picked John Whaley. So, my this is once again falling into my <laughs> – where I, I was – Loving what John Whaley was doing at this time. I thought after one more title defense at Strawweight, I really thought there was a big fight to make. And it would have been. I mean, truthfully, oh, yeah. I mean, if, if she had beaten Rose, I think a that super fight. it could have been the next fight. But because a lot of people still talk about Amanda versus Valentina 3, which except us, <laughs> which we have no interest in, yeah. So that was the super fight I was trying to push out there for the women's divisions. Um, again, everything I said about Zhang Weili earlier, I could say here, but truthfully, Valentina shows no sign of slowing down, yeah. and so much so that I'm going to transition into like who we think will be champion a year from now. And I know what I told you, Dom, that we pick a dark horse for every division that has the same champion. But I yeah. picked Valentina Shevchenko to still be champion a year from now, and I have nobody <laughs> as a dark horse. I think the closest one would be your female Habib. Yeah. However, sure. I just don't think she's going to be active enough to get a title fight in the next year. Yeah, um, I also went with Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, and you really put it the best way. I mean, you look, she's essentially cleared out the entire top five. So then you got to start digging deeper. It's like, okay, anyone ranked outside of the top ten, can they get enough fights in 
to be in the position one year from now to be a champion, or is it going to take longer? So when you look at it that way, you can't really say anyone. I mean, there is obviously um, prospects in this division. I just don't think that in 12 months, when we do this again in 2022, they won't be up there yet to fighting for a title uh, is one thing, but then holding the title is another. So you can't really do a dark horse just because – everyone in the that's closest has already been defeated and has been shown that Valentina is levels above man. Mm-hmm. And she does have a title fight coming up. Yeah. Um, don't give her opponent too much of a chance there. Uh, what's her Lauren, Murphy. Lauren Murphy. Yeah. Um, Lauren Murphy, good fighter yeah. has des- deserved this title shot. However, well, when you say on a tear, see, that's, that wording is a little for strong. that division standards. Yes. It, it's like, She's looked. She's she's on a win streak. Yeah, she's looked good, but there's a di- like Valentina goes on a tear. Yeah, Lauren Murphy squeaks by streak, decisions, you know, usually. So, yeah, it's 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 really my thoughts here are going to be copy and paste to our next two divisions because I think we'll just group bantamweight and featherweight together. Yeah, this time last year, me and Dominic both got these right. We both – wow, big shock. <laughs> this was the hardest one. Yeah, we both said Amanda Nunes would be a two-division champ today. And guess what? She still is a two-division champ today. Now, my thoughts are going to be the same for flyweight as it is for bantamweight. Yeah. Amanda Nunes will still be the champion this time next year. I think the only curveball that could be thrown in here is if she retires, but I don't think she's going to do that. I really I don't, don't. Even though she's – running out of contenders, quote-unquote, or whatever. You know, Juliana Pena is an interesting fight whenever that happens. And then she potentially is looking at a winner of, like, a Holly Holm-Misha Tate rematch or something like that, which I know would be a rematch for her. But it's a big fight, you know, either way. So I still think she's got some fights left. The interesting curveball I am going to throw in here is my unfortunate prediction for the women's featherweight division is that there will be no champion of that division. There will not be a women's featherweight division in the UFC this time next year. Um, There's possibly a chance that that might even be true by the end of 2021. Right. Um, It just all signs seem to point to it. Megan Anderson's not even in the company anymore. Um, There's like two other featherweights. Although uh, there was a potential, I guess Holly Holm was booked. I, I still don't know if that was a, with Norma fight. Dumont, yeah. yeah. Even though Norma wants to go down to bantamweight, I don't know if that fight's at bantamweight or featherweight. Right. Regardless, I don't think there will be a division this time next year. Amanda will continue to dominate at bantamweight. What are your thoughts? Um, so I do go Amanda with both. You know, let's just say featherweight does stay. I, I still think it'll be Amanda this time next year. Uh, bantamweight is a bit more interesting now, but I still predict that Amanda will be the double champ. Um, however, in terms of like a dark horse, and again, she's beaten a lot of these people too. I do just want to say that Noah mentioned Misha Tate's comeback. I think she could be a dark horse, potentially be a factor, get that rematch with Amanda. It's a different story trying to beat her. And just one more dark horse. I know I'm given two. I broke the rules. But um, I really liked Irene Aldana in her last fight against Yana Kunitskaya. Kind of bounced back. I know she had the weight miss. But I think she at least has some uh, – good hands to compete with Amanda on the feet. The problem is in the grappling department. So maybe just maybe we see them match up next year 
uh, in terms of dark horses. But like I say, Amanda Nunes and still the queen, the goat, it's not even competitive. Yeah, I mean, I respect that you're trying here yeah. <laughs> with your dark horses. But like with Irene Aldana, after her inability to cut off the cage against Holly Holm, yeah. which is – I mean, if you're a good striker, that's supposed to be kind of like a like a – I don't know. That's that's like a given that you do that. That's like yeah. technique. And she just completely whiffed on that through all five rounds. Yeah. So to me, it's like she has good hands, but it's almost like she doesn't know how to use them properly right. or something. It's I don't know. No disrespect, Irene. Good fighter. But just, I don't know. It's, I Amanda. Just, it's Amanda, you know. <laughs> and that's all our women's division. So Dominic went three of four in our women's divisions. The only one getting wrong, Tatiana Suarez, be damned. Yeah, while, yeah. <laughs> while I went a solid two for four. Hey, I mean, not bad. Zhang Weili, be damned. <laughs> yeah. So now we get into the men's divisions, and this is probably where you're going to see more interesting discussion here because yeah. – a lot of things are are in red. On not not as many dominant champions, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. In terms of well, and yeah. then when you look at the women's divisions, there's four, and three of them are ruled by two. So you yeah. Know, anyways, so we start with the men's flyweight division, the 125 pound division, and me and Dominic had the same pick this time last year, and it was the champion this time last year, Davison Figueredo who was coming off of that just brutal performance yeah. against Joseph Benavidez, the fight that we've talked about so many times, especially early on in this podcast. I feel like yeah. we talked about it every week. Yeah. And <laughs> I bet it, since you listened to this episode recently, I bet our thoughts were that Davison had the chance to be a very dominant flyweight, that he was brutal. And I, our thoughts were only raised by his win over Alex Perez, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be until that draw he had with Brandon Moreno that we saw any chinks, any cracks in the armor. That he was, in fact, human, yeah. Yeah, and we both thought Davison Figueredo was going to be a long-standing champion. Yeah. It almost seemed like we thought the thing that would beat him would be the scale before mm-hmm. any opponent. However, that is not the case. True. As today, the champion is the assassin baby, Brandon Moreno. The assassin baby. Yeah. Mr. Legos. (laughs) So with that being said, Dominic, Brandon Moreno's champion. Yes. Do you think Brandon Moreno holds on to that belt for another year? The flyweight champion. The UFC flyweight champion this time next year. And still, Brandon Moreno, I do think, that he will continue to be the champion. I was just so ultra impressed, not only in the fight where he went the distance with Davison in the first one and they had the draw, but then in their rematch, when he utterly he, – he's in my performance of the year category for the Joeys come December. I mean, mm-hmm. he looked that good. Not only did he beat Davison on the feet, which is very hard to do, but then out-grappled him. It wasn't even competitive in that field. Then he put uh, gets the submission victory to cap it all off. He just looks so good, and he's beginning to put it all together, but still so young. I really do think Brandon Moreno, at least a year from now, can still be the champion. Um, I don't know if we'll see him in the octagon again before this year's up, but I think it'll be early 2022 when we see him for sure. 
maybe one more time before August of 22. Um, but I think he gets the job done against any of these guys, whether it is a rematch with Davison, a rematch with Askar Askarov, the winner of Pantoja and Royval. I think he does just kind of hold the skills to beat all of these top contenders. Um, so I'm going to go Brandon Moreno. Of course, the dark horse, since I did go with an Ian Still pick. Honestly, I think Alexandre Pantoja, um, truthfully, because if he were to beat Roy Val this coming weekend, which we're going to talk about on Friday, stay tuned for that episode. Um, I think it's a guy that carries power, very technical, very precise, and he can compete uh, in the grappling realm in terms of his jujitsu skills. So that would be my dark horse if I had to choose. But my champion, Brandon Marina. So we have the same picks. Oh, well, look at that. Yeah, so Brandon Moreno is who I think will still be champion a year from now. A lot of that's just because the flyweight division should have a clear number one contender in Askar Askarov, but the UFC seems to think that they don't unless it's Davison. So I don't think – it's hard to say. Like, Will they run that fight a third time? It's possible. Yeah. But I I, I really don't want that for Davison or for Moreno's sake. Like it kind of just – I do think Davison could do more in a third fight and could even maybe win the title right back. But I just I don't think his time as a flyweight is his time as a flyweight is very limited at this yeah, point. Yeah, you want to see him at Bantamweight. Yeah. Now, with that being said, my dark horse is also Alexandre Pantoja, and the big reason for that is Pantoja has a win over Marino. Over yep. And I do like Brandon Roy Val a lot. It was really hard not to put him on here. But it, to me, I was looking at more so at, okay, no matter which guy wins. So yeah. this is not me assuming Pantoja is going to win. It's more so like, okay, if Pantoja wins, in my opinion, he's like there. Yeah, like He's waiting in line. Unless they want to run him with Asgar or Alex Perez. But I really think that he's like knocking on the door. Yeah. While if Roy Val wins, he does technically have a loss to Moreno. Yeah. Even though that was like a shoulder injury, whatnot, kind of weird. But because of that, I, I can't say the same for Roy Val if he wins. I feel like if he wins, they would have him fight one more. Yeah, I agree. And because of that, I, I think Pantoja has a more clear path to a title shot at this point that could be done inside of a year. Yeah. Uh, Moreno, I think we'll see. We'll see. But I do think he's going to end up being a decently active champion. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, though, it's kind of weird because we're not hearing any whispers of like when he's fighting next. I mean, right. he had a very one-sided performance against Davison. Yeah. So I would like to think he'd be back by like at the latest January. But mm-hmm. you know, that's. I mean, they're they're still they still have announcements to make for December. So, I mean, that could be a chance for that, but I don't know. Regardless, I do think in 2022, you will see him maybe fight even twice by this time. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it's, it's a risky pick, but I stand by Moreno could be, you know, uh, another guy that holds on to this belt for a while. And he's, he's fit for this division. He's, He's a, his skill set? Yeah, his skill set's very well-rounded for this division. And a lot of these contenders, I just think, are not up for the challenge right now. Yeah, well said. Let's go to men's Bantamweight, which had – this is the one that 
just <laughs> this pisses me off so much. I'm just very, very smart when it comes to MMA. That, you know. So this time last year, which I really can't be mad because look at my pick. I mean, I just okay. looked at it again and realized I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Pick who I should have. So men's bantamweight a year a year ago today was under the rule of the newly minted champion Peter Yan, yep. who had just won the belt in a um, well, it was vacated a vacant title fight against Jose Aldo. Yep. At UFC 251, there was a lot of expectations for Peter Yan, but I think at that point we were still just a little unsure of how good is he really. Yeah. So neither of us picked Peter Yan to be the champion yeah. at this time. And I'm going to start with my pick. Oh, <laughs> keep him waiting. I picked Marlon Marais. The magic man. Who has not won a fight since that, that damn day that I picked him. <laughs> yeah. At that point, I think he was scheduled against Corey Sanhagen. Yep. And I, I was still pretty high on Marlon Rice. So I mean, I don't, I didn't see the the signs, which I didn't really think there were. I mean, I, I know that the Aldo fight, a lot of people thought Aldo won, right. but I still didn't see him like looking like a diminished version of himself. And then the Sanhagen fight was bad, and then he followed it out with Rob Font, and that yeah. was pretty bad. So. Not a great pick. However, Dominic got this one right, and he picked Aljamain Sterling. The the same method he, of victory. Too, yep. Not he predicted he predicted the first ever DQ <laughs> yep, yep. winner. Um, so when I see that, it pisses me off. But then I look at my pick, and I'm like, I can't be mad because look how I was so bad that you like deserved to be right. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. So. Give me your thought process, and like when you went back and listened, like um, now that we kind of seen how the Sterling Yan fight played out, yeah. What 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 are your thoughts, kind of, on getting this one right, and ultimately how the division stacks up? Uh, call me Destiny Dom because I predict these things. Ooh, <laughs> oh anyways, God. hopefully that wasn't too cringe for everyone. So when uh, we made the predictions last year. Aljo was coming off of that amazing performance against Corey Sanhagen. He ran through him, made it look easy. And I was riding so high on that, on top of the win streak that he was on. And it just looked like he had the well-rounded skill set um, to compete v- very well with Pewter Jan. Uh, little did I know that although he would come out at a very rapid pace when the two did get matched up, he quickly would falter. And Pewter Jan was piecing him up and winning that fight more and more as the fight went on. Until... The illegal knee lands, and Aljamain Sterling becomes the first ever and new champion due to a disqualification, which is exactly what I said would happen in August of like No, that, that didn't actually <laughs> happen. But uh, that is who I predicted, just not the way I thought it was going to go. And I love that Noah mentioned, you know, now that we've seen the fight play out, where does it maybe uh, lead me into going into 2022? Because it's inevitable. These two are going to probably meet each other again. Or I think it's, what, the October card right now? Yeah, something like that. Um, so they're going to run it back. And I truthfully just feel that Peter Jan will not only win the title back in a very convincing way, I think that this time next year, August of 2022, Peter Jan is 
the new or in is still the champion. So I believe he will dethrone current champion Aljamain Sterling. Yep, uh, we are in agreement so far. I always so. wanted to do a dark horse, but it's not an instill technically. Yeah, so. no. <laughs> yep, Peter Jan, I think, will end up beating Aljamain Sterling and in some ways riding the ship. Um, yeah. Not No disrespect to Aljamain. I mean, he was a victim of circumstance here. Right. I just think that fight clearly showed that Jan is a better fighter mm-hmm. in like pretty much every aspect. I mean, yeah, we thought right. Aljo's grappling would be better and – I mean, Jan's trips were fucking insane. Mm-hmm. So I think Jan writes the ship, and then we get to see, okay, how long can he go on a run for? Because he does have guys like TJ Dillashaw, yep. Corey Sanhagen, Rob knocking Font. on his door, Rob Font. Those, those are going to be tough fights for him, yes. I would say. And we'll see how long he can hold up. I don't know how many times he'll fight after October, I would say maybe one more time you would expect. At least you would think, yeah. Um, it just depends, I guess, maybe how much damage he takes in uh, the Sterling fight. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's if you don't pick Peter Jan to be the champion this time next year, then I think be prepared to lose that bet. Yeah, he really does look like he holds all of the skills to be a long-standing champion, even with this absolutely stacked division. So here's an interesting division to talk about. Men's featherweight. This time last year was ruled by the Aussie Alexander Volkanovsky, the former heavyweight rugby player. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And neither of us thought he would still be standing at the top at this point. However, he is. And we do have a title fight upcoming very soon with Brian Ortega. Yep. But very interesting picks here because these both, like, mine still kind of is relevant, I guess. But, like, Dominic picked Zabit Magomed Sharipov. And I remember he had just been – because I remember, like, our first or second episode or, like, our our first or second preview or recap or whatever. We were talking about how the end of the month card was supposed to be headlined by Zabit and And Yair. um, Yair. And that Zabit had been pulled off that card. Yep. But by all accounts, it was like, okay, Zabit just needs to get in there by the end of the year and he'll be fine. So it was like Zabit was a top three featherweight and like he looked like the new wave, the the next evolution for MMA fighters, a guy that was just amazing everywhere, so smooth. Um, the tra- his transitions and his grappling were just so flawless, and instead we haven't seen him fight since. And now his, ca- his career is up in the air because apparently, depending on how a surgery on his esophagus goes, he doesn't even know if he's going to be able to breathe properly to fight. Yeah. It's crazy. So how unfortunate! How look how quickly things have changed for him. While on my end, I had Max Holloway taking the title back. Yeah. However, we saw Max fight. We could have seen Max fight fight twice by now, but um, he did have the hellacious performance against Calvin Cater, which we will be talking about at the end of the year. Yes. And he was supposed to headline against Yair Rodriguez. Unfortunately, that fight did not has not happened yet. Um, It had to be pushed back. So Max is still in the driver's seat, still right there, probably going to get the winner of Ortega Volkanovsky. But 
still waiting for that next title shot. So, Dominic, because of that, we do have an interesting title fight coming up yes. with Volkanovski and Ortega. But I would like to think that, that that belt gets defended one more time, probably against the Max Holloway, no matter who wins, before this time next year. So what say you? Who who reigns supreme in the men's featherweight division? Well, you know, first off, current champ Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega. I've been waiting for this fight for a long time. You know, coming into this year, it was supposed to happen in March. And, you know, really since the beginning of this year, it's been my, one of my most highly anticipated fights and, of course, title fights uh, <laughs> that we've had to wait on this year. Hopefully, knock on wood, it actually does happen next month in September, International Fight Week. And, uh, you know, you look at it, and both of these guys have fought a similar opponent in Max Holloway. One, not going too well, and Brian Ortega, after Max just really outclassed him there in that four round. It ended at the start of the fifth, I believe. Yeah. Just brutal beat down where Max defended his title. But for the current champ, Volkanovski beat Max Holloway not once, but twice. And uh, so you're probably thinking, well, what do you, where, which route are you going here, Dom? You're, you're throwing us all through a loop-de-loop. <laughs> Well, I mentioned Max Holloway for a reason, and that is because I do feel that when he gets rebooked, I think it's supposed to be November now with Yair Rodriguez. I think he goes out, probably gets the job done there. I think he fights the winner of uh, Volkanovski and Brian Ortega, and I think regardless of who wins that title fight, I think in August of 2022, the Blessed Express will have rolled back into the station. Max Holloway, featherweight champion. So far, we're all on the same page. Here oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I also picked Max Holloway. It just, it just seems like that's what's going to happen. Yeah. It just, it almost feels like it. We're set up for that. Um, no matter who wins, Ortega Volkanovski. You know, no disrespect to Alexander Volkanovski. He, no matter what we think of the second fight yeah. and who won it, it was a very close fight. And ultimately, in two fights with Max Holloway, he's been in the octagon with for ten rounds. With yep. Max Holloway, he has won more rounds than he has lost overall. Yes. And because of that, you have to wonder, just like, I don't know, you just have to wonder, like, can he really do it a third time? Right. It's hard to beat someone three times, man. And I think Max showed, I feel like Max showed that he still had Leveling some weapons. Up. Well, no. Come on, Dom. Sorry, let some me, things let never me, change on this show. <laughs> let me, let me, let me work up to it. Okay. Max has shown that maybe he still has some weapons that he hasn't quite utilized in these two previous bouts, like some more tricks up the sleeve, if you will. Mm-hmm. While I think Alexander Volkanovsky has really went to everything he has to beat Max Holloway twice, yeah. which I commend him for. But after the performance Max Holloway put on Calvin Cater, how can that man be denied another title shot? He was technically denied another title shot. Timing has not worked out for him. So now he might have to fight Yair Rodriguez. And, you know, Yair's awesome, really good fighter. I don't think that's going to go well for him. That's a tough welcome back. I think Max is on a fucking just rampage right now. The guy, he's on like a revenge tour almost. Yeah. um, I don't see him slowing down. Um, I could see him and Volkanovski fighting. They could be the first 
two guys in UFC history to fight five times. That could yeah, literally best happen. Of five series. Yeah. I mean, I'm serious. It, it really could. I mean, just because if he beats Volkanovski in the third fight, you have to do it again, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you kind of is that. Don't you have to do it again? Um, but I don't know. I just I think Max Holloway is. If you had to ask me who's the best featherweight in the world right now, I would still say Max Holloway. And he's yeah. lost to the champion twice. That's I'm not even like some super fan or something that's like biased. I'm just – the eye test has told me that. And it's crazy because Max at one point had lost three of four fights. And so in July of last year after he loses the second fight to Volk, we're like, okay, has he, has he already reached the ceiling? Has Max kind of – done what it, all he has came to do at 145 and now he just fights you know whoever's including like calvin cater then he comes out in january of this year and as i interrupted noah so rudely earlier <laughs> is showing that he's still leveling up and i'm not just talking one or two levels this son of a bitch is going levels above from what we've ever seen before that performance against calvin cater one of the toughest guys in the ufc my hat's off to him for not even getting finished in that one, but the skill set that Max is still showing, and he's still, I say this every time I get a chance to, under the age of 30 and all that he's accomplished so far is mind-boggling to me. And I think that regardless of what path he has to get back to that title, he's going to have it. And uh, it's just crazy to think of where he was at one point, and then he bounces back against Calvin Cater and proves every doubt or wrong where everyone's like, oh, this guy's – just getting better and better, and he's not the champion. So, yeah, I, I just rambled a lot there about Max, but something special, this guy. No, I, I completely agree. Let's move on to lightweight division, the most stacked division in the UFC. And honestly, this is probably one of our better overall predictions, even though mm-hmm. neither of us got it right. We both picked guys who could have yeah. probably been champion. So this time last year, the champion was Habib Nurmagomedov. And you ask yourself, well, wouldn't you both have just predicted Habib again? No, because at that time, Habib had made it clear on his Instagram that his he had at that time said he had two fights left. Yeah. He said Gaethje in October and then GSP <laughs> in and I April. believe April. Yeah. Um, and the GSP fight probably wouldn't have been for the belt. Probably the belt would have just been vacated already. So Neither of us thought Habib would be champion today. Dominic picked Dustin Poirier. Mm-hmm. I picked Justin Gaethje. So not bad picks there. Right. But what's unfortunate, I guess, about him is, like, Dustin Poirier probably could have been. Yeah. True. I mean, it depends on your thoughts on a matchup with him and the champ today, Charles Oliveira. Right. But Justin Gaethje hasn't even fought since he lost to Habib in October, and who I would have never have expected that. Yeah. Now he is booked with Michael Chandler for towards the end of the year, so that fight's going to be awesome. But <laughs> regardless, as I said, Charles Oliveira ends up being the champion today. Yeah. And who and we who, you, as much as we were really starting to to like Charles Oliveira at that time, I don't think you could have convinced me there was a shot in hell. No. That he would have risen risen to the top, pretty much as quickly as he did. I mean, he he had a long grind getting from that fifteen to like eight, you know, ranking. It felt yeah. like he was battling to get get to the top eight. 
And then once he got there, he got the Tony Ferguson matchup where he looked superb. Amazing. Yes. And then gets the title fight with Michael Chandler for a vacant title because Dustin Poirier, who had just TKO'd Conor McGregor, decided he wanted a third Conor fight yeah. rather than going for the belt, which, you know, whatever. You do you. We want yeah. the money. But because of that, if, if Dustin had decided he wanted the belt, I'd be curious to see if Michael Chandler would have been removed from the equation or if Charles Oliveira would have been removed from the equation. Mm, that's true. And um, so a lot of people at this point pretty much say that Dustin Poirier is like the uncrowned champion, that he yeah. is the best lightweight in the world, but is just not the champion right now. I think that's disrespectful yes. to our current yeah. champion, Charles Oliveira. So I'm going to go first this time because we've been getting a lot of the same okay. predictions. So I want to see if we can switch it up here and maybe we'll have something different. This is a hard division to probably pick the same because truthfully, Dom, mm. I think this lightweight division as, as exciting as it is, as much as there's happening right now, I think the man holding the belt remains the same this time next year. I do have Charles Oliveira oh. as the champion this time next year. Okay. Now he's going to have some tough fights potentially coming his way. One of the reasons why I did this is because I'm still not 100% sure if him and Dustin Poirier are going to fight right. this time next year. But if not, let's say he fights a guy like Benil Dariush instead. Well, then he's going to end up with the winner of Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, which he did beat Michael Chandler after some adversity. But yeah. could he do it a second time? I don't know. And Justin Gaethje's a dog. So that's that's a an interesting time. fight. <laughs> so there's a lot of interesting matchups. And now I did throw in a dark horse here. And now this dark horse is not any name I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And it is Mr. Islam Makachev. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's knocking. <laughs> the only thing that holds him back is just like, it's just time right now. Mm -hmm. Because he's going to fight RDA. And I would, I would probably bet that with the win there the UFC might be ready to give him a title shot. I think a lot depends on what happens in the Gaethje Chandler matchup. Yeah. If Chandler wins, I think Islam might get the shot over him. But if Gaethje wins, I think Gaethje probably is clearly going to fight Charles at some point. Right. Or Dustin depending on the the top of the heap is very it's confusing nuts. right now. Yeah. Um, so we're making there's a lot of assumptions that have to be made when making this kind of prediction because it's not like featherweight where it's very clear you have a clear title fight scheduled and the winner of that is clearly going to fight Max Holloway at least right. we assume. So here you have to make a lot of assumptions. My assumption is that Charles Oliveira remains at the top for now. I mean I love that because we know how special of a victory that was. A guy that scratched and clawed and. Took however many fights, 28, 29 fights to get a title, and then he wins it in such an amazing fashion. Mm -hmm. um, and as much as I love that story, as much as I love the Diamond Dustin Poirier, the Gaethys, the Chandlers of the world, this whole division is so fun. But there's one man that really, I oh feel, <laughs> is going to throw a wrench into this whole division's plans, and that is Habib's protege. Islam oh. Makachev. Oh wow! This time Oops. next year, will be the lightweight champion of the world. 
Wow. I am actually shocked that that was who you picked there. I, I, I thought, like, when I put him as a dark horse, I was like, I don't know. Like, can he really get there in a year? Like, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, he's been active. Yeah. Not his. Thankfully. But it's but it's it's more so that I I don't know if he'll be able to pass up Dustin Poirier or Justin Gaethje or Michael Chandler mm-hmm. in time in the next year. But I love the pick. Yeah. I actually thought you were going with Dustin Poirier. I'm very oh. shocked um, that that because I know what a big Poirier fan you are. So I think no, this I love time next year uh, Dustin may just be retired, Noah. If I'm being mm. truthful with you, um, but that's a different story. But in terms yeah. of it um, and his path, I just think. Well, you kind of said it, right? I mean, if he beats RDA, regardless of the ranking, the UFC might just be ready to launch him in there. And, you know, I could see that happening. If not, he's definitely going to have to get one more in. So if he can stay active, I know that fight with RDA is supposed to be October. One more fight, maybe early 2022, gets the title fight. Come this time, maybe even of next year. But I think there is a path there, depending on how the pieces ahead of him um go together or fall apart either or. Um, but I do think this guy just presents problems for everyone just like Habib did. And I just feel like it is a matter of time until he is the champion, regardless of if it's this time next year, 2023, it's, it, he's going to have a gold belt around his waist, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. It's just, a, I think it's more so where we're, yeah. it's more so just a matter of if, or no, yeah. a matter of when, not, not if. if right. right. So welterweight, here's one more that Dominic got right. He, Kamaru Usman, was the champion a year ago. Dominic said he would reign supreme. Yes. Today, I was not as smart. <laughs> I want to give myself some credit here. I think a lot of my yeah. picks were that I didn't want to. In my head, I was like, oh, I don't want to be boring and pick them to still be the same champion. But like, idiot, that's that's how it goes. The same person will some. Why didn't I think of dark horses back then? It right. could have saved me some embarrassment. Because Kamaru Usman has been the male fighter of the last year from this mm-hmm. point, if you want to look at it that 100%. way. Most active champion. Yeah. The guy's been incredible. And I think we, when we predicted this, or when you predicted this, I should say, but when we were making these predictions, Kamaru Usman in terms of the court of public opinion, was probably at his lowest point. Yeah. Right after the first Jorge Masvidal fight, which is his only real, I guess, weak title defense, if you want to look at it if like you that. you want to put it that way, yeah. A dominant performance. But as far as uh, entertainment value, the only real defense of his title that's been boring. Yeah. And for some – and I think because he won the belt – and very dominant and not the most exciting fashion over Tyron Woodley, that people just kind of were starting to poo on him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think it was almost like not entirely sure if this guy's really like a long-standing champion. It's just not. The, it's just an unhealthy way to look at <laughs> these yeah, champions when it's like, okay, they're not as entertaining, therefore they will not be champion long. Like that's just. It's Even not though they're dominating, yeah. yeah, right. So you were smart. Picked um, Kamaru Usman. I picked, and this pick is not—I wouldn't say bad because this fight is coming up. That's true. <laughs> I picked Colby Covington. Um, however, I look at it and kind of go like, "Man," because 
maybe at this point last year, you could make the argument that those two were just neck and neck still. Mm-hmm. But it just but now, every day it yeah. just looks like Kamaru just gets better. Yeah. And Colby is still good. But I don't know if I can say he's getting better. Oddly enough, Colby fought like a month after. A month Vegas after, yep. And dominated Tyron Woodley. But it hasn't fought since. While Kamaru has fought how many times? Was his next fight, was it Gilbert? He fought in July. Yeah, I guess it was the Gilbert Burns fight in February. Then he beat uh, Jorge Monsvidal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So he's fought twice since we made this list. And, I mean, it's just like both of those fights were fun, but also just highlight reel performances from Kamaru Usman. Come back, perform. Come back in the in the Gilbert yeah. Burns fight. Fought through adversity. The Masvidal fight. The first person, or maybe oh, no, I think the second, brutal. to sleep Masvidal in his career. Just the guy's run has been. He's really now. There's being arguments made that he might be better than GSP. If that tells yeah. you anything. Funny how and the tide turns so quickly. <laughs> how quickly a year? Because if you would a year ago, if you would have told me that. He might be better than GSP. I probably would have laughed at you. And now it's like, oh. <laughs> and now I'm predicting that Kamaru Usman will be champion this time next year. Yeah. You know, that's just – it's a risky – I think it is a little risky. He is 34. Um, he's not getting younger, but he just doesn't show any sign of slowing down. Right. And I think he's going to be in for a lot of rematches if he keeps being this active in the next year, and they're all guys he's beat already. So I picked Kamaru Usman, but I did throw in an interesting dark horse here, and it's someone that he has already beat, but someone that I think could get a second shot and has potentially, it could potentially a second time, put him out for good, and that's Gilbert Burns. Hmm, interesting. Gilbert Burns is the closest to, I I know Colby Covington took Kamaru Usman five rounds, but technically, Gilbert Burns is the closest guy to have, to beating, Almost to finished. finishing yeah. Kamara Usman. And I think that that wasn't just a, you know, not just like a a lucky shot or whatever. I just think Gilbert Burns is that good. Yeah. He's that powerful, that fast, that he was able to catch Kamara Usman. And Usman had to kind of react and make adjustments throughout the fight. But I do think Gilbert Burns shows that he wants to get in there again. He did have a, a good win over Stephen Thompson, but not one that I would say would push him back Ahead into it. Yeah. So I think that he could have a matchup here. There's apparently Jorge Masvidal and him are potentially, mm-hmm. you know, Masvidal did call him out by name. So that was interesting. If he did get a win over Masvidal, that could be what he needs to get back in there. Yeah. And more for him, it's just a timing thing. I don't think he – I really don't think that he probably beats Kamaru a second time, but I give him a better chance than I give, you know, some of these other guys. I don't want to say him by name because you might have one of them on your list, but right. there are some guys that you could – I mean, even Colby Covington, for example, is the one that's scheduled to fight Kamaru. I give Gilbert Burns a better chance in a second fight than I give Colby Covington at this point. Yeah, man um... – 
this time next year, Kamar Usman is my pick to uh, still be the welterweight <laughs> champion in the UFC. My dark horse, however, really because I can't say much more about Kamara that we haven't already discussed. I mean, the guy looks unbeatable, better and better by every fight. Um, but Vicente Luque uh, truly is a dark horse. And now, while I feel Usman is still the much better fighter as a whole, and that's compared to anyone in this welterweight division, Luque is such a wild man, such a wild card with the power, with the jujitsu. He really can pull a rabbit out of a hat. And for that reason alone, I feel he is not only a threat to anyone else he may face in this division, but to the champion Kamaru Usman, a fresh matchup, which really favors him in terms of getting a title fight within the next year, just because Usman's fought everyone else in this top six. Um, And that's what does kind of excite me about seeing this potential matchup is that that what if factor, because really anytime Luke steps in there, that's what's going through your head. What are we going to see this time? What's he going to do? Is he going to get knocked down and pull off a submission and all this crazy stuff? And I feel like those thoughts would still be going through my head if he were to fight Usman. So uh, that is my wild card. But again, the champion, Kamar Usman and still. Mm-hmm. I like that. I was a little surprised you actually went with Vicente. I thought your, your love affair with Leon Edwards, I thought might have been what pushed you pushed you in that direction but Mm-mm. um we have done back for me i've had back to back and stills for a year from now yeah and that's going to remain true with the next division we go to the middleweight division israel adesanya was champion this time last year neither of us predicted he would still be champion today sure. which is kind of kind of interesting um dominic picked robert whitaker Mm-hmm. who we're still kind of waiting on to see him fight Adesanya a second time. While I picked the man that he was to face off against next, and that was Paulo Costa. Yep. I really thought Paulo Costa was going to sleep Israel Adesanya. You were very confident. Some things don't go the way you think, you know. But Israel Adesanya is still champion today, and I'm predicting him to still be champion a year from now. So because of that, I mean, it's just – I know he had the loss to Jan Blahovic at light heavyweight, but in terms of middleweights, he just seems it's to his be domain. a level above yeah. everybody else. You, you know, I thought really when it comes to the type of skill set to beat him, I thought Marvin Vittori is almost as close as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Outside of maybe like a Darren Till, which funny, I just spoiled my own – Pick for the dark horse. <laughs> That's all right. I, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, Darren Till is my dark horse, but the reason being, if you get someone that can that can strike with Adesanya, they can almost have like a chess match. It probably won't be the most exciting fight in the world, but could he outpoint Adesanya for five rounds? Right, he maybe could. So Darren Till is my dark horse, mostly because I think if he beats um, Derek. He's fighting Brunson. Derek Brunson. Yeah. yeah. When he if he beats Derek Brunson, I think Adesanya wants to fight Darren Till so bad yes. that I almost think that he will be slingshotted into yes. the front of the line after a fight with Whitaker, of course. Right. Um, um yeah, so, that's were you thoughts. done? Yeah, okay. that's that's it. Um so I'm going in still as well, Israel Adesanya. Uh, and um it was hard, right? Because last year I did pick Robert Whitaker, and it was because I that that career, not resurgence, because he had just lost to Izzy and then don't say it. Back, but don't say it. 
No, no, no. I'm just. He was starting to really look like a different version of himself. <laughs> Noah doesn't want me to say 2.0. So he's, he's beating around the bush. <laughs> um, so I won't say that term, but that's what <laughs> Noah's alluding to. Um, but now, where I look at it current day and what I've seen, it kind of goes back to when I was comparing to Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling, where Israel Adesanya in that fight with Vittori really showed me a lot to where, okay, as much as I think Robert could have coming into this episode today, can he do it when they actually fight at the end of this year or early 2022? I just don't know if he can. I think Israel is still getting better. And when he showed his grappling defense and a little bit of offense, albeit against Marvin Vittori, along with his elite level, otherworldly striking, he just has all of the, solutions to any potential problem that can be presented to him at 185 pounds. And for that reason alone, I am going with and still Izzy. However, my dark horse would be Robert Whitaker, just in the event that maybe in that rematch, he can pull something off, potentially setting up a trilogy later on in the year. Um, either way, if Robert were to win, I don't think he fights more than one time going into August 22. But uh, yeah, Israel Adesanya, man, special. Very interesting. I love the way you beat around the bush there. I, I didn't want to say it. I, I know. It's it. so funny. You're like, it's like another version of himself, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. a more advanced. Yeah. Uh, was, that was good. I was writing a book um, there. So what I do want to point out here at the end before we move on the light heavyweight. I hear a little that, something. Yeah, someone's starting their car out behind oh, me right I now. I thought it was the band rocking and rolling. No, nope, the band is not rocking. <laughs> Um, someone's got a loud ass fucking <laughs> Sounds car. Sounds like my car. Yeah. Um, so just ignore that. It's listeners. just a little. It's not too bad. Um, now I can't even fucking focus. Uh, light heavyweight, <laughs> 205 pounds. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I'm not for Adesanya's case oh. here because I think there are a lot of the naysayers for Adesanya off of that Blahovich fight or that if you can get him to the ground, that he doesn't have the, the I guess, capabilities to get back up or the defense necessary to um, sprawl and get to where he needs to get to get up. But I think in the Marvin Vittori fight, he showed that as a middleweight, those problems just aren't the same as they are in a light heavyweight. Exactly. Now, light heavyweight, Jan Blovich. Neither of us predicted Jan Blovich to be the champion. However, he wasn't the champion this time last year. This time last year, I'm pretty sure. Did we not have a champion? It, it was, was John still Jones. John. It was not vacated yet. Okay. So John Jones was champion at this point last year. Neither of us picked the John Jones. Yep. Neither of us predicted Jan Blahovich to eventually win that title. This is probably our worst prediction. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty tough. On both this, is, this is our worst ones because neither guy we picked has won a fight since we picked him. Yeah. It's, you know, what are you going to do? So Dominic picked Dominic Reyes. It's because his name. The name. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he spells it better than you. But no, he spells regardless. it the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> regardless, Dominic Reyes did seem like the yeah. the next in line for when John left the division. It would almost seamlessly, he would, he would almost hand the belt to Reyes on his way out. Obviously, him and Jan Blahovich were to come main event at UFC 253. Lovich had other words for that. And yes, he did. Pummeled him. 
And that was just a shock. No matter what Blahovich had been doing at that point, Reyes was just, I thought, too good. Mm-hmm. And he was not. Yes. Yeah. I had blind faith in, in a man who we actually we talked about his fiance last episode. Yeah. And about, and speaking of which, if any of you guys are listening and oh. want to give your thoughts <laughs> on if, have you noticed that it actually is kind of blowing up? Now? We kind of started the trend, yes. Yeah, I've seen it's kind of blowing up that yes. uh, there is a debate. So I'm glad <laughs> to know that I'm not alone. But it I'm does glad seem we the, were the only ones the, talking about the it. The majority opinion seems to be that she is more than one month pregnant, um, which is fair. Yeah. But um, also that w- how this woman was able to fight. Because the UFC does, and I didn't say this because I wasn't sure in the episode. This is a big tangent side. Yeah, here tangent. we go. <laughs> but I I thought that I remember hearing that they, they do pregnancy tests for the women fighters. Mm-hmm. And I apparently that's true. Yeah, I, but I, don't know. I um, you know, apparently it didn't catch it this time. I guess. Or if you're in my camp where you believe that maybe Tiago laid the hammer. Oh. Was, <laughs> he laid the Maretta after the fight. Eesh. Then that could also be the case there too. And speaking of the hammer, <laughs> let's say yeah, all of that, here. all of that, all of that. <laughs> People are like, what, say, so wait, who did he pick again? To be I saying? picked Tiago Santos. Okay. The guy, I love Tiago Santos. Thought he beat John Jones. Yeah, that's right. Eat it, nerds. I thought Tiago Santos won that fight. Hasn't <laughs> won many, hasn't won a fight since, unfortunately. And yeah. He's still relevant at light heavyweight. He's still a, a guy you don't want to look past. But he's just had a tough run of things. He's lost to... I remember the Rakich fight was the last one. Who else am I forgetting? Uh, Glover. Oh, God. The Glover to share one was tough the, one. Yeah. That was a tough one. That one reminded me a lot of like it was a less brutal version of when Anthony Smith lost to Glover to share. Yeah. But it had the same kind of impact as a Tiago Santos fan. Um, so neither of our picks look great now because neither guy's won since then. Dominic Reyes. Had the war with Yuri Prohaska. Mm-hmm. He also, am I forgetting another? No, that's that was the it's only been one. Jan Blovich and then. Oh, well, yeah, Yuri Jan Prohaska. in September for the yeah. belt. Yeah. So he's been getting, fin- that's back to back finishes on Dominic Reyes. It's been a tough, tough year for these two guys. Yeah. So I don't think either one of us are going to pick these two to be champion this time next year. But I am going to pick someone other than the current champion, Jan Blahovich. And this all boils down to as good as Blahovich has looked and as much as he continues to just over-deliver and just, like, fuck with my head because I keep looking for that moment to, like, count him out. Yep. And that's no disrespect to Jan Blahovich. It's just due to his age and the fact yeah. that he was – he's a late bloomer here, you know. Right. I keep waiting for that that moment where he falls and it's like, okay, now that's like the end of that. But he just keeps out the, the Adesanya fight wins. Huh? I mean, the Adesanya has looked like as one of the next top fighters of all time, you know, it's and the way he beat Reyes was ultra impressive too, to win the belt in the first place, you know? <laughs> oh, uh, hey. Hey. <laughs> uh, we're back. 
Yeah, it's a little darker if you're watching this on YouTube. That's, uh, you know, technology problems. You know how it goes. Um, multiple technology problems, actually, because, uh, well, the first time, I, we were having a lovely discussion, me and Dominic, yes. about Jan Blahovich. And Dominic decided to cut me off. As and usual. when he did, my entire router just burst into flames. Yes, yes. So I put it in rice. Well, he went golfing. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> when he came back, good to go. Yeah. Except we get on here to re to do what we're doing right now. Wow, that's a mind fuck. <laughs> and, and we're literally like two minutes from being done. Literally, yeah. And it does the same thing. So some things never change. Me and my internet problems, you know, they just never cease to exist. But we're here, and because I don't want to run into this again, we're just going to go. We're just going to we're gonna sprint here. <laughs> so we're talking about Jan Blahovich. Yes. Jan Blahovich has looked great. He's out-delivered all of my expectations. But he's 38 years old, going to be 39. How long can he go for? How long yeah. can this run last? Before he was 37, he wasn't much more than a barely top 10 fighter in the division. Yeah. Now at 37, 38, he's the champion. I just don't see that path leading to what, like, I just don't see him being a champion at 39, 40, 41, 42. So because of that, I'm going with Yuri Prohaska, who is the clear kind of next guy up in this. He's kind of surpassed Dominic Reyes with that win over him as like the next guy, in my opinion. And that comes off of, He's had two performances in the UFC so far, and they have both been highlight real KOs. He's looked incredible. He's gotten hit a lot, but he doesn't take – I wouldn't say he takes a ton of damage. He seems to have a good chin on him. Yeah, yeah he did get flash KO'd by Dominic Reyes. It looks like that was – I mean, that was up kick, so <laughs> knock out anybody. But Yuri Prohaska is a guy I've been high on since he came into the promotion. He is a former Ryzen light heavyweight champion, so he comes in with some pedigree. And you just can't game plan for the guy. Exactly. Jan Blahovich is so has gotten so good at game planning his opponents at this point. You saw it in the Israel Adesanya fight, where he was able to use his larger frame to take down Adesanya and hold him down. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily do a lot of damage, because if he did, then Adesanya might be able to squeeze out or whatever, be able to get out of there. But he just held him down and right. got points that way. And you've seen that on this run he's had. He's been very good at game planning his opponents. Even in his dreams at night, seeing the way he's going to knock out Luke Rockhold. I mean, that's mm-hmm. some that's some meticulous preparation. But you can't prepare for the buzzsaw that is Yuri Prohaska. The guy doesn't really come in with a game plan. He comes in and flows, truly flows. Yes. And that's why I just see in a matchup like that, I think it's just going to frustrate Blahovich. I think he's just going to become very agitated by it, and it will throw him off of his game. While Prohaska loves to kind of go in there and make it messy, make it wild. Um, Blahovich doesn't really thrive in that kind of circumstances. You saw in the Tiago Santos fight, he didn't really like that kind of fight, and I don't think he's going to like it if these two match up. Respect to Glover Teixeira. I'll give it, he has a chance against Blahovich for sure. Another guy I've counted out on this late resurgence he's been on, but I think Blahovich has enough to get through him, but ultimately lose probably in the summertime. Maybe the last title change we see before we do this video again to Yuri Prohaska. 
Yeah, I'm going the same champion this time next year. Yuri Prohaska, the light heavyweight champ. Um, like you said, you can't really game plan for the guy because he just comes in and he's a Swiss Army knife. He's good everywhere, and he just does things that you don't see 205-pound fighters do, and he flows. He gets into a flow state, as Noah mentioned, and it's so special when you get to see it happen because you, as you watch the fight, you see that uh, switch get flipped, and all of a sudden it's just all him, and uh, he just presents so many different problems to anyone in this division because you can't plan for him. And a guy that is so gameplay and driven recently, like Jan Blahovich, I don't think it bodes well for him. I think that the style just poses a lot of problems. Yuri's so aggressive that it, I just don't feel he would allow Jan Blahovich to get his pacing and make it his style fight. Uh, and for those reasons, Yuri Prohaska, I think, uh, will defeat the winner of Jan and uh, Glover. And I'm leaning more toward Jan in that one as well, like you. But um, then Yuri just kind of takes the throne and. Very interesting to see what will happen with the future of this light heavyweight division because mm-hmm. we're still in that post-John Jones era. So uh, an exciting champion like Yuri could be very uh, interesting for the future. I agree, and I'm not even sure if he'll be a long-term champion either. Yeah. I just he, he almost seems like too – he's wild enough to get too the belt. Wild. <laughs> yeah, but then I don't know how wild – if he's he might be too wild to really have like a sustained run. I don't know. Yeah. But um, last division here, the men's heavyweight division, the king – the baddest man on the planet at this time last year, Stipe Miocic had just gotten past Daniel Cormier in their trilogy bout. So we knew all eyes were on Francis and Ganu and their rematch. We didn't know when it was going to happen, just if, or <laughs> we knew it was going to happen. Yeah. We just didn't know when. Yeah. And um, it ended up happening in March. Dominic had predicted for today, Stipe Miocic to still be the baddest man on the planet while i predicted uh, a young a young guy who's yet to make his debut in the heavyweight division mr john jones to be the heavyweight division at this time stipe obviously got knocked out by francis and ganu back in march and john jones is yet to fight in the heavyweight division things kind of went south with him in the ufc and their contract negotiations coming off of that win Against Stipe by Nganu, it looked like Nganu Jones was going to be next, which seems like a that seems like a year ago mm-hmm. when we were talking about that. So much has happened with this heavyweight division, but um, negotiations fell through. The UFC pivoted and said, "All right, we're doing Derek Lewis versus Francis Nganu." Then they pivoted again and said, "Interim title fight: Derek Lewis versus Surreal Gone. Surreal Gone's the interim champion." So a lot is going on in the top of this heavyweight division. I would say. It's in its most interesting place in a long time and in, in terms of how many contenders there are. Heavyweight's never been one of the most stacked divisions. It's just not. When guys are that size, they don't tend to be fighters. They tend to be football players or basketball yeah. players or whatever, baseball players. And um, However, we do have a really talented group here at the top, and Nganu is the champion right now, and he he's the Mike Tyson of MMA. And not only that, but he is becoming a much smarter fighter yes. in that Stipe fight. He kind of beat Stipe in every facet. It's so scary. So, with that being said, Dominic, does Francis Ngannou remain the baddest man on the planet this time next year? Noah, my friend, there's an undefeated fella. <laughs> 
fighting out of France. Yeah, Frenchman, if you will. Who just so <laughs> happens to now be the interim champion of the world. The aforementioned Cyril Bongammon. Gone. Whoa. Is. Yeah. I'm yeah, shocked. I'm out, so yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's like you've heard this before or something. Um, Cyril Gone, man, I think is the champion at heavyweight this time next year. Um, I think he can beat Francis Ngannou. I think he can beat anyone in this heavyweight division. And I think he can beat John Jones if we ever actually see that happen, which is a long shot, it feels like nowadays. But it's real gone, man. I truly feel is one of the most special talents we've seen in all of the UFC in a very long time, especially at heavyweight. And I feel that with his so well-rounded game, but obviously his striking is next level, so technical, so precise, then you add in that he's pretty damn good on the ground, too, and can submit people when need be. And the way he flows and moves around the octagon is so unique for a heavyweight. I just feel he's a very bad matchup for anyone in this division. I think that he also has the potential to not only become the champion, but to challenge Stipe's title defense record, if not break that record. I truly feel is one of the most special talents we've seen in a long time. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth, Dom. Um, truly surreal gone is the, the elite, like the yes. next step, the next evolution yes. of the heavyweight fighter, a guy who is so technically skilled, which is in some ways uncommon for heavyweights, like everywhere. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just bring a couple skills to the table. The guy's really good everywhere. And he is young. He's undefeated. He's running through his opponents right now doing it with skill, doing it with even a little bit of pop against Eric yep. Lewis. Um, he's really one of a kind and will be a future champion. But <laughs> with that being said, I am going to go with Francis Ngannou to hold on to the belt for at least at this time next year. And, you know, this 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 comes down to I, I really look at Nganu and Gan as being two guys that might fight multiple times. They, mm-hmm. Those are two guys that could have a trilogy of belts. You know? Yeah, I agree. And right now, Nganu is the more experienced fighter, but Gan is probably who I would argue to be the more the fight the higher fight IQ and mm-hmm. um, the more technically skilled, obviously, but. Um, there is something to be said for Ngannou's power, which has been, you know, it's it's every what everybody goes to. But the fact that now he's putting it all together, yes. but he's still carrying that power. I mean, look at what he did to Stipe. He flatlined him. Yeah. And to me, I still don't look at Gon's power, even though he did a good job of putting away Derek Lewis. I don't think he quite has the power to put away Francis Ngannou right now. And that means he has to go five rounds unless he can somehow get a submission pulled off, which is right. Um, I just don't really see that happening either. But um, that means he has to go five rounds and be basically perfect for five rounds. And we just know when you have to do that against a guy like Ngani, it's a recipe for disaster because yeah. he not only is the most powerful man to ever fight in MMA, but now he's fighting smarter to where he does. You don't just have to worry about that power for a round or two. Yeah. Now you have to worry about it for probably at least four rounds, I would yeah. say. So I just think in their first fight, he might catch gone. Yeah. I've really struggled with this one. Truthfully. Mm-hmm. I mean, That's I went hard. back and forth because, you know, we both have been on the gone 
hype train. And yep. if you would have asked me last week, I probably would have said Gon would beat Nganu. And then if you ask me next week, I might say the same thing. <laughs> right. But right now, I just feel like Nganu's got more left than that as terms of being a champion. Yeah. And in terms of a dark horse, I didn't go with Surreal Gon either since I just said that. It's John Jones' dark horse's division. kind of has to be, you know. And, uh, and that's just because I don't know if he's going to fight. But yeah. if if he if he fought Francis Ngannou, I would have a hard time picking Francis Ngannou in that fight. I might pick John Jones in that matchup. I mean, John Jones is just I, – I think so highly of that guy's skills even yeah. now, even though he's probably not even the best version of himself anymore. But Surreal Gone is a tough fight for him, and that would be a hell of a fight if we ever see it. But Jones versus Ngannou is – Something else. I just – it's gotten to a point where John Jones, where it's like the boy who cried wolf. Mm-hmm. You know, John Jones is on the mountain saying, hey, I'm going to heavyweight, and you kind of buy it, buy, believe it, and go out there to see the first few times, and then it's like, well, contract negotiations. Well, now I'm not fighting until 2022. So yeah. now it's a believe it, I'll believe it when I see it type deal yeah. for John Jones. And that's no disrespect to him. That's not a knock on him. I understand the UFC is probably just as much, if not more, at fault for why John Jones has not fought at heavyweight at this point. Um, but the reality is reality there. And we were yeah. supposed to see this guy fight for the last year at heavyweight, and we never have. So that's the biggest dark horse for me because John Jones might beat everybody in this division. I don't know. Yeah. But that's going to wrap it up. We, we made it. Well, wait, we have to outro, <laughs> oh, I guess. <laughs> Hold on. So this was a lot of fun, even with the delays, um, being able to look back a year ago um, to put a year into this podcast is something that I think we both thought would happen. I mean, I thought we both had the work ethic and the, and the, The I guess, then the passion to make it go for a year. But once we actually got there, it was like, wow, we really did this for a year, huh? Yeah. And to look back was so cool. Really cool to look back and then go back forward. So now this time next year, next year, we'll do it again. So this will just become kind of a yearly tradition of ours. Yeah. Um, Let us know your thoughts, who you think will be champions of some of the different of your favorite divisions, if not all of them. All twelve of them in the comments. Do leave in the comments anywhere, whether it's on social media or on YouTube uh, comments, or if you want to leave a voice message with one of the anchor links, we'll include it. In Friday's episode and give our thoughts on some of your picks. Yeah. Um, but had a lot of fun with this one. Dominic, as always, thank you for coming back on here multiple times to finish this one out. I wouldn't hopefully, want to do it with anyone else. <laughs> hopefully my internet uh, is a little more trustworthy over the next few weeks. But with that, Friday will be the next time you see us. Until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram at diesley14 more importantly go follow engage interact with the podcast on twitter on instagram at baj underscore mma podcast for me twitter instagram at mt baker never ever ever forget the underscore (laughs) (laughs) at mt baker underscore on twitter and instagram there's a link in my bio that leads you to the link tree with the links yeah i still haven't found a better transition there maybe by episode 150 we'll have yeah uh, maybe maybe by this time next year (laughs) yeah yeah um so there's links on there all the platforms the podcast is on 
social media platforms. And then a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out to Anchor. So you can find all of that on there, but that's it. We're out. We made it, and we'll see you all on Friday. <laughs>